This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Round Balls 2 podcast on NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Ryan Knauss. With me, as usual, my co-host, Jared Johnson. Jared, I'll introduce you in a second here. We're in the middle of the All-Star break, so there's not a ton of breaking news, obviously. Um, most teams haven't been practicing. No shoot-arounds, obviously. Uh, writers are on vacation, so we're not getting a ton of news. So we're going to take a look at injuries today, Jared. We're going to round up some guys who've been out for a while, prospective timetables for them to return, what their returns may or may not mean for teammates, things like that. So lots to cover in that regard. I did want to start, though, I was listening to yesterday's podcast, Jared, and I got a good laugh when <laughs> Steve Alexander, Dr. I was talking about a bet he made with you, where I guess he's facing you in a head-to-head matchup. Is that accurate? I don't think we're faced in a head-to-head. I don't think... Oh, you're not even I against think it's, Yeah, no. Well, he he billed you as his mortal enemy in that league, I believe. So so you must be near the top of the standings together. We are. And, yeah, I've been in third. And, and you first, yeah. you chided Steve for using all of his pickups in the first week of a multi-week matchup because, as we know, on Yahoo and ESPN, as I discussed with Straub on the four by, or five by five last week, these weeks are combined. So you have a combined four, however many transactions you have for a week for the combined weeks eighteen and nineteen. Steve thought that his moves would reset, I take it. And you, and you knew that they wouldn't. So there was a Scherzi bet. And uh, tell, well, go on from yeah, there. So I basically, know you... basically, I saw him make all those moves, right? And I, I right. write the week ahead. So I was very like, hey, like in my column, it's like, be strategic about your moves these next two weeks because you only get however many. And our league gets four mm-hmm. or three, I think. <laughs> I just see the waiver wire and his pickups aren't even used. It's just like he's swapping out guys, you know? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'm just like, Steve, what are you doing? And I, so, I, yeah. we, we come on to the shift and, and I, I bring it up. I'm like, oh yeah, I noticed that you used all your moves today. He's like, ah, I think it'll reset. I'm like, Steve, <laughs> like it, it says an orange right here. Like very clearly it's not going to reset. He's like, ah, I figure like I, I always worry about that, and it's never a thing. I'm like, <laughs> Doc. <I love> <laughs> the, the magic, the magic hand approach. I'll just wave it away. Yeah, he tried to Jedi me. And I'm just like, I don't think that's accurate. And he's like, I'll bet a jersey on it. I'm like, okay, I will bet a jersey on that. <laughs> and we we've been revving each other about Poku back and forth. Like he'll have a right. string of bad games. I'll text him. Poku. And then he'll have his one good game and Steve will text Poku. So Steve Steve wanted a, a Poku jersey and he texted me that night uh, on Sunday at midnight because he was waiting to do his, his ad drops, right? Mm-hmm. And like he's getting ready. He's like, ooh, that Poku jersey's gonna feel so good. And then like the text at midnight after one is just maybe not. <laughs> No, no moves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's great. So I love that you asked for a Draymond Green jersey, which he, Steve was also lamenting that. He was like, not only do I have to buy a jersey, I have to buy the City Edition Draymond Green wow, jersey. Baby. 
And yeah, so I love it. Hey, Jared, you've been nothing if not consistent in your love for Draymond Green. So uh, it makes all the sense in the world that you would request that. And I'm glad you brought up the orange banner because that was going to be my final point, which I hope Steve's listening. This is all in good fun. But it definitely said in bold at the top of every single team page, roster deadlines and weekly transaction limits will not change during like, this time. I read that a different time. way. I'm like, how did you read that? <laughs> <laughs> we love you steve we now, love you now steve. steve's paying <laughs> with his wallet so yeah. all in good fun we are a, a good team here but we rib each other for sure you will have to wear that on the next pod you appear on with steve <laughs> just to rub a little salt in the wound i will but speaking of draymond green jared why don't you kick off there with our, our injury discussion for this week right Getting right into the depressing stuff cool so draymond green said on sunday when he was on tnt as a broadcast or not a broadcaster, an analyst for the all-star game. Charles Barkley asked him, when do you think you're going to play again? And he said, well, hopefully in three to four weeks, that's what I'm shooting for. Eesh, that's not great because in all of my leagues, that means he's done for the fantasy playoffs. So in most cases, I think after that, pretty much a cut everywhere. First off, mm -hmm. um, Players are often overly optimistic with their timetables. So you always want to take what they say with a serious grain of salt. He said, hopefully three to four weeks. I mean, the dude hasn't played since January. So if and when he does come back, you figure that he's going to be brought along slowly. In most cases, this means in like a best case scenario, maybe he comes back for the finals, but in what capacity? So... I think I held him too long in, in the one league I had him, but I, I cut him. I cut him on Sunday right when that news came out. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, positive, though. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga has been fantastic. Um, Steve Kerr is not giving him the James Wiseman treatment. He's playing incredibly well without Draymond. Um, past eight, he's at 15.3 points, 4.4 boards, 1.9 dimes, a triple, 0 0.5 steals, 0 0.6 blocks, and 1.5 turnovers on 60.3% shooting from the field and 69% at the strike. Mm -hmm. But he's only taken uh, 3.6 attempts uh, at the line. And he has had some uh, good free throw shooting games. So uh, he's kind of the guy that we all know uh, is going to basically be the primary beneficiary while Draymond is out. And he actually replaced Otto Porter Jr. as the starter. Otto Porter has been coming off the bench the past three and he's just been mm -hmm. kind of meh, 6.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, almost nothing else, and 41.2% shooting. So uh, it looks like Kuminga's the guy. I don't know his roster ship percentage offhand, but I think it's lower than it should be. Yeah, his is lower than it should be. It's 29% to answer that question. And there he's been, yeah, a, a late round guy and with minutes in the mid-20s for the past six games. You could easily see that going higher. When he gets the playing time, he pops off. I've had difficulty pegging when exactly those nights will be in DFS because he seems to kind of come and go and it's very matchup based. So night to night, I'm a little more concerned about what is his production going to look like. But if I'm getting a four game week out of Jonathan Kuminga, then I'm very confident that right. as in Draymond's absence, those stats are going to average out to be valuable, especially in eight cat, nine cat, where the defensive stats and a couple threes start to add up pretty quickly. And on the topic of roster rate, while we're here, Draymond Green, by the way, is still vastly over rostered, I think. Uh, I believe he's at 91% currently. Wow. So either they're either he's now 
I'm going to, you know, we'll cite roster rates throughout. And when we name it with these players, keep in mind, there are dynasty leagues. There are leagues that, you know, were mock drafts and player, you know, managers have just given up. And there are a lot of IL spots out there. So presumably, you know, let's say 60% of those are just, you know, in those different baskets. That still leaves 30% of potentially head-to-head leagues where he's just being rostered. And I don't really see the utility there given that we're this close, right. you know, the playoffs right. are upon us for fans. So uh, I'm with you yeah. as a cut there. Maybe like a roto setting, but it's, it's tough. It's tough. And I, I just, even that, what are you hoping for five games at the end of the regular season? Like I, I don't like yeah. it. I'm completely with you on that. 100%. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go on to another guy. Uh, ben Simmons is another poor free throw shooter who's been out, as we know, all season. He's reportedly getting close. ESPN's Ramona Shelburne reported over the weekend, quote, Ben Simmons, from what I'm told, is going to really ramp it up this weekend, see where he's at. He's getting close. It's going to be more like weeks away rather than months. So what's your take on that quote, which is all we have to go on, really? Well, the weeks part, it's like she tried to spin it as a positive. It's going to be weeks, not months. It's like, well, I mean, mm-hmm. how many months are left? <laughs> so, I don't. I have him in a single league. I have him in a single league in an IL spot. And I don't need to be using that IL spot right now, so it's fine. But I think if he's clogging up an IL spot and you are a team that is pushing to make the playoffs, I'm not sure that you can – hang on here i like him i think that he has an immense amount of upside i think he has top 50 upside when he's fully running i think there's going to be tons of opportunity here with kyrie irving only having seven or eight games left but i don't know when he's going to play i don't know if he's going to be ready to hit the ground running i don't know how long it's going to take him to find his rhythm in brooklyn Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. How do you feel about them? That I'm not eager to have him on really any roster, but for sure, if it's a, a league that goes until the bitter end of the regular season with head-to-head matchups or a Roto, uh, then I'm fine with him, you know, especially in Roto, he's going right, to right. give you a burst of steals, the dimes, you know, counting stats with boards. But it's tricky for me because here, here we are in a situation where if you drafted Ben Simmons, you've now held him for nearly three quarters of the season as just a string of DMPs. Yeah. Now he's returning. You've got the physical conditioning that needs to ramp up. Whatever stock you put in the fact that psychologically he wasn't ready to play for Philly, and apparently that's an ongoing thing for Brooklyn. What if he comes out of the gates and shoots a combined two of 28 in his first three games or something? Is the psychological, you know, and, and the criticism heaps on. He's in a huge market in, in New York. Is that criticism going to get to him again? Like, there's a lot that we just don't know. And then constantly right. cycling in, oh, he's playing with Kyrie one night. Now he's not the next. So there's there's too many variables here for me yeah. to be comfortable at all with it. That said, you know, if you're a borderline playoff team, comfortable that you're going to make it, you could stash him on IL, whatever it might be, then sure, he's an X factor. He can win you a couple categories in a given week. And if you're not that confident in your team already, then fine you know, Adam, but yeah, in general, like he's going to change the chemistry of your head to head teams to such a drastic degree that I'm, if I'm a top three team, I don't really even want to mess with that. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've had him this long, I guess you're pot committed. I don't want to say throw good money after bad by holding him at the most important weeks of the season. So I'm on the fence there. It's really situational. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm exactly how I feel. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Not an easy one. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Well, right now, as you prepare for fantasy playoffs and look ahead to next season, NBC Sports Edge is offering Round Ball Stew listeners 20% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use the promo code STEW20. This only lasts through February, so finish your fantasy season strong and lock into our premium content through next year's draft for any sport at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code STEW20. We have other promo codes, by the way, that are only 10% off. So Stew 20, Round Ball Stew Special. I love it. Nice. Okay, Jared, you had some questions for both me and the listeners. What uh, what type of questions? I'm is curious. It, I'm going to have a, two sections here, two sections. The first section is going to be, will these guys play basketball? First up, James Wiseman. He has been recovering from that torn meniscus surgery, which he suffered on April 11th of 2021. And he had another setback in mid-December, which required another surgical procedure. So that's why it's been such a lengthy process with him getting back to the court. He has been cleared for five-on-five -five work. He has been going through practices with the G League team. We still have no idea when he will play. It seems like he will play. We have no idea when. Mm -hmm. You know, it would make sense to start getting them some reps before this playoffs begin, but it seems like they're going to be extremely cautious yep. with him. The Warriors are winning games without him just fine. And Kevon Looney's playing quite well. You know, he's not a fantasy darling, but he mm -hmm. is a good NBA center on this team specifically. Where do you feel? <laughs> do you feel like, he, is there any situation where you could imagine stashing James Wiseman at this point? Not in a redraft league. No, thank you. I mean, I was super skeptical of him from the beginning of the season. And Steve Kerr's initial quotes, which could have been interpreted as just reducing pressure on him, etc. But Kerr said outright, look, I know everyone wants our number two draft pick, you know, from last year to to have a big season to break through. But we're going to be slow with him and cautious with him. And if he's making a positive winning impact on the court, then sure, we're going to play him. Absolutely. But if he's not, we will continue to be patient. And that's part of the reason he was considered a trade chip for Golden State was maybe he's not a right. win now piece on a team that wants to win now. Right. They didn't trade him, obviously. But I think that plan holds true that they're not just going to play him if he's out there blowing defensive assignments and doing nothing but finishing at the rim like you know, defensively, they're giving up so much from Looney. I've said it before. I think he had the best plus minus uh, while on the court, or at least the starting five with him last season was the best on the team. And then Wiseman with a similar unit, his plus minus was among the worst on the team. So mm. unless he's dramatically improved just by watching the game for the past year. Right. He hasn't had I don't, I don't really see how he's doing it. So, yeah, yeah. He, he's been exactly. That's such a good point. It's like, how much can you really learn? on the sidelines when you're not physically doing it and he hasn't been physically doing it right since his rookie year which was disappointing so right yeah so that's the, that's the warriors um depressing bit <laughs> hey there we'll was move. a Kuminga bright spot mixed in there let's yeah. not forget <laughs> Kuminga bright spot <laughs> let's move on to this this player named Malcolm Brogdon who has made it through a total of 28 games this season uh, over the past two months, he has made two appearances, once on January 12th, mm. again on January 19th, been out ever since. Um, he is dealing with soreness in his Achilles. I understand the caution with this. It's not, mm -hmm. don't want to play with that injury. 
But with the playoffs, with Indiana not looking like they're going to be a playoff team, do you think that Malcolm Brogdon will come back in any meaningful way this season? You know, we he, he's been hit with the questionable tag a couple times. That just feels like we're being trolled mm-hmm. by Carlisle. I don't know what's going on here. How do you how do you feel about uh, Malcolm Brogdon and and whether he'll be a fantasy factor at all? Yeah, so that's it's a tricky one. I'll say the bullet point would be that I have limited optimism, limited to the next week. So that if on the other, you know, basically I think Carlisle said that he was questionable to play just prior to the All Star break. So it's like, all right, maybe he was legitimately on the mend, and they just wanted to give him this extra week to to fully heal up. Now. You know, is that really the case? Are they going to bring him back? I don't know. I think the next week is going to be telling in that regard. If he's still not back on the court by the beginning of March, you know, forget it. I'm no longer listening to the will he, won't he, maybe questionable type stuff. I, I just don't like it. But for now, I'm going to assume that they're true to the word. He was questionable pre-break and he could come back. There's also some incentive now, for sure. It does not look like Indiana is going to even make the play-in. They're currently nine games out of the out of the number 10 seed in the East. The Knicks are five and a half games up on them. The Wizards are eight games up and the Hawks are currently number 10, as I said, nine games up. So that's tough sledding for any team, let alone a team introducing new pieces that just traded away an established all-star. Like that's not going to happen. The one thing that's playing in Brogdon's favor to me is sure. They probably want to see him alongside Tyrese Halliburton. They want to see him alongside Chris Duarte and see how these pieces mesh, don't mesh. What are we looking to do over the off season? Maybe that decision's already made and like, hey, we just brought in Tyrese Halliburton. Brogdon's out of here. We'll just we'll just, you know, wrap him up and then trade him in the offseason. I'm not sure that's a possibility. So I'm just holding him for a week and and going from there. I I don't know. I'm kind of with the latter part of that statement because it just doesn't make Hmm. a, a huge ton of sense to have these three point guards on this team. I don't know, man. (laughs) <laughs> that's fair it's fair to I, not I just know. I, I just don't see it i don't we we haven't even I mentioned i don't quite yeah. understand what the pacers are doing i mean i'm sure they tried to trade him at the deadline i'm, I'm sure offers were put out maybe they didn't get a bite that they liked um mm-hmm. but it, it, it does feel like this is kind of we're seeing the blowing up of of whatever it is that they were trying to do and they're transitioning into something else uh, with sure. Chris Duarte and uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, and presumably Brogdon, you know, not a part of that. As we said, he's already a trade candidate prior to this. They just brought in a face of the franchise guard, uh, Duarte waiting in the wings, stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Like I said, give it a week, see what happens. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, before we get on to your next section, which I think you have, I wanted to remind everyone to download the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, and to enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. We're highlighting matchups between the Celtics and Nets, Hawks and Bulls, and Cavs and Pistons. Due to the All-Star break, this week's contest will be on Thursday. So if you've been using the Predictor app and playing the pick and roll, hopefully you've won some money. Uh, But either way, just a reminder, this week's contest will be on Thursday. And if you don't have the Predictor app yet, you can download it now. All right, Jared, what else do you got for us on the injury front? Let's uh, we're still we're still at will these guys play basketball. This is probably my least my least favorite one to talk about because I absolutely love this man. Zion Williamson, he's out with that fifth metatarsal fracture in his right foot. This, as I have said on numerous occasions, is a brutal injury. It it has devastated numerous players. Um, It destroyed Brooke Lopez for three years. It delayed Ben Simmons debut by a year. It kept Kevin Durant off the court for most of the 2014-15 season. This isn't a joke. And he had a setback already, which is very common with this injury. It's a foot injury. He's a very large man. I just seems like he's not going to take the court at all. Like, why would he? The Pelicans are not, they do not look like a, a play-in team. And how much do you want to get him? Do you want to like mm-hmm. rush his return for like the end of a season that doesn't matter? Or do you just let him sit and hopefully he comes back next season and, and is the guy we saw that his rookie or sophomore year? Sorry. And he's been hurt a lot. Yeah. I mean, to me, the ship has sailed. I don't think we're seeing Zion this season. His surgery was kept a secret from us for a very long time. Right. Then suddenly revealed, but downplayed, of course. Oh, but don't worry about it. Then his return date was pushed back, right? <laughs> then his return date was pushed back again. Meanwhile, as I'm sure it's like a meme and people have talked about it, although I'm not part of that conversation, but that commercial was Zion Williamson sitting on his couch looking incredibly overweight. I'm like, all right, so this, this is probably where he's at. And there have been reports to that effect. And to me, like size you know, his fitness, his weight, his conditioning are more important than they are for most players for obvious reasons. He's a huge man who's reliant upon his leaping ability. He's had a injury history. This is a lower body injury that, as you've said, is prone to setbacks. He's already had apparently some setbacks or at least delays in his recovery. We don't get many details about what that might entail. And it's a part of the body, as you also pointed out, that heals slowly. There's not a lot of blood flow to the metatarsals. And so you see slow healing, recurrence of injury, things like this. So they're going to take their time. They have a franchise player. Why would they rush him back now? I do think there's a chance they make the play. And they're only two games out of number 10. That's currently held by the Damian lillard list Blazers. It's a pretty soft bottom of the conference, to put it, to put it kindly. But man, yeah, I, I do not see any real incentive for Zion Williamson to return this season. I, I think all eyes at this point are directed to next year. We haven't even heard a potential return date. So to speculate that he might return in time to help fantasy managers is just 
the definition of wishful thinking to me. Now, a lot of people are still doing it. I mentioned the roster rate earlier and why it might still be high for Draymond. Zion just today, I believe, dipped below 80% in Yahoo for the first time. Unless he's chilling in an IL plus spot for you and not taking up a roster spot, I then just cut him. Like, I don't see it. Right. Yeah. I'm, yep. Let's, let's look ahead a little bit to next year. Zion Williamson, he was incredible his sophomore season. He was an all star. He shot 61.1% on 17 attempts. It was a, a sight to behold. Mm hmm. But he only made it through 61 games that year. He only made it through 24 games his rookie year. Uh, this year, maybe none. Where do you see him getting drafted next year? And, and at what point would you be willing to pull the trigger, oh. uh, if at all? It's a great question. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention that beat writer Christian Clark reported last week that Zion may need a second surgery on his foot. So there's also that. Um, no. Where do no. I see? I mean, next year, I'm probably not going to draft him at all. No, I, I think that the name, you know, the, we'll talk about him as risk reward, all that stuff. But his ADP this year was, I think, 48, something like that, 47.9. And I wouldn't go anywhere near him there, to put it kindly. Even if he comes in at 100% health, I think that'll probably be where people draft him. I mean, 100% in quotes, but let's say there's no outstanding concerns about this surgically repaired foot. I still don't want to touch him. Even at 60, I'm probably not going to touch him. And he's a player who has flaws in his fantasy game. He's, you know, turnovers yeah. and percentage and so forth uh, from the line, at least uh, low, low three pointers. Like there's some gaps in his game. Defensive stats, a big one. Now we did see massive improvement on that prior to, um, you know, this year's injuries, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably going nowhere near him. Put it that way. Based on what I expect his ADP to be, I won't have him anywhere. Yeah, I think it's a, if it's the fourth round for me, it's a no-go. Fifth round, no-go. Sixth round, no-go. I might start thinking about it the seventh, but I'm not sure I would want to. I think eighth, right. eighth round, I couldn't <laughs> pass him up, but I just feel like a player of his name, Yeah, tough to see him going that far, but at the same time, you know, there's definitely a recency bias when we draft. And when a guy misses mm -hmm. an entire year, like he's about to, or at least most of it, um, I think that that may play a role. Uh, anyways, moving on to more depressing things about players I adore. <laughs> uh, Damian Lillard. He is still out with that abdominal surgery. The Blazers don't seem to be going anywhere. Would you like to lead us the way on, on this depressing topic? Oh, sure. There was no question. Just his name and go. Um, for one thing, I'm I'm chastened with Damian Lillard, I, I think. <laughs> you know, I came into this season, recency bias, more just like who he is, right? Like he's the Iron Man. He, it's Damian Lillard. He plays through injuries, all this stuff. And I had yeah. blinders on when it came to this to this abdominal injury. And I even gave advice, which I feel bad about in retrospect. But I'm like, he played through it for the Olympic team. It wasn't a big enough deal for him to not play in the Olympics, which he could have easily done a team that's not paying him $30 million a year or whatever. And he still suited up and played. So like, I, it can't be that bad. And he's been playing with it for two, three years. Now we heard maybe even longer. So I was like, I don't know. He's played through it in the past. He's Damian Lillard, but I, you know, I should have factored in both his age and the incredibly bad shooting that he had. And, been like there's something more going on here than there has been in the past so point being i'm already chastened when it comes to dame 
The last thing that we heard about him was a blurb that I wrote a month ago today on January 22nd after Dame held a press conference and basically told reporters assembled that he's not against returning this season, but that his decision would depend on whether whether the clear plan for the Blazers was to just tank and go to the draft lottery. Now, they won four straight games going into the All-Star break to let them cling to the number 10 seed. So I guess it's not a very clear plan that they're going to do that. Does that leave the door open for return? Sure. Do I think that's realistically going to happen? Again, no. And I've been so pessimistic here, but we're talking about, you know, a future Hall of Famer coming off a major surgery. Why would he play at the end of a season? Even if he's going to help his team make the play in, what's the best case scenario? He's playing fresh off a surgery with something that could potentially be aggravated every time he lifts his arms over his head to get eliminated in the first round. So... it doesn't seem exactly. realistic. They're not a contender. So why would he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%. It's just they should be tanking to get as best a pick they can and maybe turn that into a, a ready-now asset. But this is not the year. It's clearly a lost season. CJ's gone. Roko's gone. Like, they are – Norm Powell is gone. I, I, they do not look like – yeah, they're 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 a one and done team. I think Dame is sick and tired of that. Let this man get his rest and and hopefully he comes back next year and, and is the Dame that we've always yeah. known and loved. But uh, you know, Iron Men are only Iron Men until they're not. Uh, Dwight Howard used to be an Iron Man. Russell Westbrook used to be an Iron Man. It comes to an end. Yep. Sometimes. And obviously, if we want a silver lining to this, it's great news for Anthony Simons and Josh Hart and others on that team. So yes. If you roster those guys, you're probably slightly fingers crossed that Dame doesn't return. Um, not that we root for injuries or anything, but you get it. Yeah. Let's move on. This one will be quick. Uh, Derek Rose said he wanted to play uh, soon after the All-Star break. All right. Well, this team has Kemba Walker, Alec Burks, Emmanuel Quickly. <laughs> Are, like, would you pick him up anywhere? I, I'm not. I'm completely uninterested. Um, maybe we need to bring in... I don't even. Oh, I think it's Matt who likes Rose. Maybe one season a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've been down on Derek Rose for like literally a decade at this point. Okay, I think accurate. <laughs> like actually a decade. I could go back and find columns where I said this. So <laughs> safe, safe to say, no. I, the best case scenario is like top one hundred, maybe. Uh, yeah, kind of, in like a six. So like not even. Yeah, no, n- no thanks. With the guys you mentioned, it also completely ruins. Like if Rose is back, he's going to get his minutes in the mid twenties. Provide that sort of boring low end value that will get him picked up in many leagues as a streamer, if nothing else. Right. But that cuts into Kemba Walker and Alec Burks and certainly Emmanuel quickly just enough to basically destroy all of them. <laughs> so I think the whole Knicks backcourt, except RJ Barrett, are you know just throw them out. Uh, RJ Barrett too, his percentages. Yes. He's getting the counting stats. Ugh, that's a topic for another day. And he's hurt too. <laughs> well, he was hurt going into the all-star break. Yeah. I think he'll, yeah, he's supposed to be okay. I think. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was easy. Let's get another easy one. Uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, Grizzlies GM said that he's expected back at some point in early March. All right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. He's been hurt a lot this season with, and the Memphis is awful with, updates i'm surprised they even gave this one and i'm giving it a little bit of a side eye 
I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if this guy is going to be valuable at all in fantasy hoops during the playoffs. I mean, maybe a little bit. He was playing well, but it's just he's been hurt mm-hmm. so often. Uh, I think the real takeaway here is Desmond Bain uh, is going to be a wonderful guy to have on your roster for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, agreed. And Bain, I mean, Bain was awesome even when Brooks has been active this season, which was a mild concern of mine back when the season started. But Bain was unfazed by Brooks's presence. Brooks needs high volume in order to do his thing, and he needs to get steals because he's going to be pretty inefficient as a high volume scorer. He's not going to rebound a lot. He doesn't get a ton of dimes. So his fantasy profile is not great to me. I've never been like eager to pick him up. Yeah, he's a high volume guy. Definitely better in points leagues. If it's a points league with a potential early March return, I maybe wait another week and then grab him. Like, you know, because he's a ton of sense. Yeah, he's going to be a hot pickup on the, you know, the day before he he returns. But I think if you can get him, you know, a handful of days ahead of time, even absorb a DMP for the, you know, as a cost of entry to get him on your team, it makes sense in a points league. Roto, I could pretty much take him or leave him. Yeah, I wouldn't touch it in Roto. Cool. That's that's the that's the section of will they play. So now we're gonna move on to do these guys play basketball? And we're gonna start off with uh this is a tough one for me. I think it's uh it's Jonathan Isak. Jonathan Isak. Apparently this guy uh he used to be <laughs> okay. in the NBA, I've heard. I've heard. Jonathan Isaac. He has been out. Mm-hmm. He tore his ACL on August 3rd of 2020. He underwent surgery August 7th of 2020. And <laughs> that's basically the last meaningful update we had on this Mr. Jonathan Isak. He's pushing 19 months, Ryan, 19 months. This is an injury that most guys can recover from in eight to nine months. Hmm. 19 months. <laughs> we at least tell us like maybe he had another procedure or something. Yeah. Tell us that he's he's practicing or not practicing. Tell us something. But they give us nothing. <laughs> they give us nothing at all. And to put a little cherry on this. Yeah. And the one good season that Jonathan Isaac had, he, he was very mediocre his first two years in the league. And he was also incredibly hurt his rookie year. And the one good season he had where he was kind of a darling, he only played in 34 games that year. And he had missed a ton of games before he tore his ACL. Uh, he, he was dealing with like soreness in that knee, which was causing him to miss a lot of time. Um, so through four years of NBA experience, he's only made it through a total of 136 games. Hmm. We are nearly done with the season. We've had no updates. We don't even know if he's practicing. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to add here? <laughs> well, geez, Jared. It suck. Yeah. So he he was drafted in 2017. It's hard to me hard for me to believe because you're right. We've seen so little of him on the court. It seems like a more recent turn of events. But I mean, the last thing we know about him was that he was playing in the G League in late November. I think we got one kind of grainy clip in January of him taking a very slow like floater in the lane. So with that as evidence, I would say that he does play basketball. <laughs> You know, there's there's some Bigfoot okay. level uh, right. video out there showing that he's he still plays basketball, <laughs> at least. 
you know, as for this season, forget it. No, Orlando is going nowhere. They have no incentive. Forget all the other players we were talking about. At least there's like right. some case you can make for them to return. It would be unreasonable to bring Jonathan Isaac or Markel Fultz back at the end of the season. Yeah. So no, no, thank you. And looking ahead to next season, no, thank you. Like I know he's another guy whose defensive potential and that one glimmering yes. year will assuredly have him being drafted ahead of where he should be. The injury history is too epic for me to go near him. Also, I just wanted to mention uh, Markel Fultz, oh, same situation. We've heard absolutely nothing about him. He also is dealing with an ACL tear. He's been out 13 months, basically no updates. And uh, he, this is another guy who's pretty much been hurt his entire career. In, in the once in the, the season where he, he tore his ACL, it was eight games, and then he was done. Um, Cole Anthony looks like a rising star. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just not sure how, man, I, I, re I really did enjoy watching Fultz, but man, I just don't know. I don't know if he's a starter or a star in the NBA. Uh, and, and I say, I don't say that with malice. It's just, we haven't seen enough of him for me to make a successful argument in the other direction. Yeah. I think he showed pre-injury that he he can be a starter in this league. Uh, you know, the question then, well, is he a starter on a playoff team? You know, you get into the weeds there. I think best case, he's probably a, a backup point guard, uh, yeah. but definitely showed stri strides as a shooter. He was really in his bag for a bit before that unfortunate injury is playing quite well. But yeah. as you mentioned, you've got Cole Anthony there now, Jalen Suggs, they draft. So suddenly yeah. it's a, cr a crowded backcourt. You know, where's the space for Fultz? who is under contract, by the way, through 2023-24, guaranteed money. And he's going to be making 17, uh, $17 million each of the next two seasons. So it's not, like, it's not like Orlando has nothing invested in him, but that's all the more reason, like, why would they risk a setback for a guy who just, you know, would just be returning from injury at the end of the regular season? There's so little to gain there versus still being on the hook for $34 million. At least keep him healthy and and trade him, you know, don't, don't set yourself up in a position where now he's hurt again, going into the off season. I don't see him playing at all. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Uh, moving on to, do they play basketball? Uh, there is a, a, a great R and B singer who apparently I I've heard he plays basketball. Uh, this man, Victor Oladipo since suffering his initial knee entry in 2000. I, was, I thought you were going to say Brian <laughs> McKnight. He has a wonderful voice. I actually like his album. Since suffering his initial knee injury in 2019, Oladipo has gotten hurt over and over again, uh, only making it through a total of 88 games over the past four years. Un and it remains unclear if and when he will play this season, but I basically would not expect him to be a fantasy factor at all on this Miami team. They have plenty of people to handle the ball, plenty of people who can score. No. And I just think that him coming back from this knee that is constantly constantly going out on him when like what capacity would he play in and, and would he be at all valuable in in any fantasy format this year <laughs> to answer the latter question first no oh my god no no he's not going to be a fantasy asset he hasn't been for years even if he's healthy He's yeah. inefficient. He's not the same player as he was before rupturing that quad the first time. Yes. He's now done it twice. And it's a major 
super serious injury. I feel really yes. bad. Like few players work harder than Victor Oladipo. And it's possible that all of his offseason work fed into the wear and tear that led to the quad injury. But point being, it's a really unfortunate situation. But no, no. like the, the contract Miami gave him was basically a rehab contract. Like they're just like, yeah, stay around the team, stay with our trainers. Maybe next year something good comes of this. But it's not in the cards for this year. No. So our last... Our last guy, does he play basketball? I have not seen this man years. I think plural, years. TJ Warren, he had that left foot procedure. Uh, we don't have the date right here. Uh, a long time ago. Let's say a long time ago. He hasn't played all of this season. He missed all of training camp. He was supposedly ramping up his workload in January. We're in February. Absolutely no updates on him. We've touched on Indiana not being anything looking like a, a play-in or postseason team. Do you think that we'll see a glimpse of Mr. TJ Warren this season? No, I think it seems like TJ Warren may have signed like a four surgery deal with the Indiana Re- Re- Regional Medical Center. And he's only he's only halfway through fulfilling that. So I don't expect to see TJ Warren. No, <laughs> dude, he was so injury prone even prior to this most recent injury. I'm like, like, I think whenever the last time he was draftable, I was just looking through his injury history. I'm like, the man hasn't played more than he's played more than like 40 games once in his NBA career, something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, he cannot stay on the court. So, no, probably more so like he and Oladipo. Do they play basketball? Still, it's an open question. Will will they play this season and help fantasy managers? Absolutely not. No, no. We can just no. bury that. Nor will I be going anywhere near either of them next season. Just veterans, don't let that halo of past accomplishments fool you. Like, no, these are injury-prone players. The NBA moves fast. It's a ruthless place. You need to be one of the best athletes in the world to even get on that court. It's really, really hard to recover from multiple major surgeries and do that. A thousand percent. And TJ Warren has had like weird injuries. Like he had a, a head injury totally. that wasn't a concussion that kept him out for months. Um, that one was weird. He's had like hand yeah. injuries. I don't, I'm not trying to actually rag on TJ Warren. I'm sure he's a lovely yeah, guy, but yeah, yeah he can't stay totally healthy. That's guy. all. <laughs> Moving on. This will be to wrap up the podcast. I just feel like this season was yet another brutal season due to the COVID era and head to head leagues. Mm, sure. It's, it, it got it got a little bit better, you know. In the second half, we're not seeing as many guys um, being forced into quarantine. I can't actually even remember the last guy we saw forced into quarantine. And the NBA did shorten the period, which helped. But still, um, we're in the COVID era. If if guys are missing constantly, it just missing weeks at a time. You know, it, what it, there was multiple times this season where. I feel like I had three active players. Like my entire roster was just red check marks. So how do we move forward in fantasy hoops? I'm at the point where I'm ready to just go completely roto. Uh, I know that people, some people hate roto. I've started to like it during the COVID era. Um, what else can we do? Uh, how many IL spots should we have? Is head-to-head sustainable as a format moving forward? It's a good question. I think 
yes, it's sustainable as a format moving forward. I think you'll probably see more people play Roto because, you know, their position limits. If a guy is out, you can stash him on your bench. It doesn't necessarily hurt you because you get replacement value, things like that. So that that helps. That mitigates it. Um, I think, yes. you know, for sure, don't have the default IL spots. Use IL plus so that guys who are out with COVID and things are eligible. They don't have to be out with some long-term yep. injury. That illness qualifies. Probably in terms of the number of IL spots, I'd say three maybe if, COVID, you know, being in the, in the era of COVID. But I do think it's different. Like you I look at the past two years in the beginning yeah. of this season even, we're in a much different place, as you said. Vaccines are now readily available to everybody who wants them. So if you want, if you're an adult and you want to be vaccinated, you probably are. So that's that's hugely helpful. COVID testing is ubiquitous, and the NBA has just gotten a lot better about testing and handling COVID cases. They have new guidelines. At first, it felt like a new rule every other day, right? Like even as fantasy experts who study it, we were struggling to keep up with how long is this guy out? Why is he out? Is it tracing? Is it this? Or is it that? So now we at least know what we're getting. There are five day quarantines. It's not as dramatic an impact. Uh, another thing that I should mention, probably weekly or uh, daily versus weekly lineups, for sure. Go with daily. You know, if you set a weekly lineup, you're you're doomed if a couple guys go out. Um, oh, but I yeah. think in a very real way. Oh, and postponements. Much many fewer postponements, both both because fewer players are going out. They're going out for a shorter amount of times. The NBA has changed the rules and allowed bigger rosters with more call-ups. In fact, mandatory call-ups for teams um, from the G League if too many players yeah, are on health days. and safety protocols. So all of these things have helped, I think. Um, they've changed the way we approach the waiver wire, a lot more streaming pickups. So definitely maybe increased transactions so that managers stuck with 14 red flags can actually like try to scramble their way to survive. That's a good point. So a lot of That's little tweaks point. will, I think, make head-to-head -head <laughs> leagues viable going forward despite what looks like just ever present, you know, uh, endemic COVID times that we're in now. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I think that, I think, I think that's key. Yeah. Increasing the transaction limits. I think that's an important one. Uh, I think that maybe it needs to be big, more than four, which was my standard. And I think at least three IL, yeah. IL plus spots or maybe two IL plus in a normal IL. Works. Um, but either way, I think that's that's kind of what we need to do uh, yeah. next season. And, and hopefully uh, we're even further past this uh, next season. Hopefully uh, it's less of an issue. For sure. And the next time you talk to our colleague, Zach Hanshu, you should ask him about this topic. I know he's given it a lot of thought as to changes we can make things like that so i'm sure you guys will have an interesting conversation there we are about to run into a good football show so we got to wrap up here and free the studio for those guys jared thank you as usual with the will they and do they even play basketball segment i enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> pleasure to be here ryan I'll all right see you next week thanks adios Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.